Thank you for listening to Crossroads Community Church. At Crossroads, our mission is to be the church by exalting the glory of God, sharing and showing the love of Christ, and inviting others to be recipients of Christ's love. Now here's this week's message. Many of you shared what you were thankful for, as probably people have been doing online, offline, all weekend long. Uh, and it's one of the reasons why I love like the holidays because everyone gets nicer even the people who don't believe in god who don't accept you know that there is a god in the birth of jesus christ and all that stuff just as you get closer to christmas uh people get nicer uh mainly because the holidays they just bring out the best in people they make people want to be nicer do more uh charitable giving goes up not just amongst christ followers but amongst um Pretty much everyone. And the thing about the church is, though, we don't have to wait for the holidays to be nicer, to give more, to be more generous. The church is supposed to be that all the time. It's, it's who we are, not just as a congregation or as Christian congregations, but just Christians in general. And Christy and I had dinner with um, a pastor at uh, one of the local churches here, and... Um, and her husband, and she was asking us, this was a couple of weeks ago, she was asking us, what is your church about? What do you guys do? What do you try to get your people to do? You know, that, that conversation you have with most pastors, one of the first things they ask is, how many people do you have? Second thing they ask is, what is your mission statement? What do you do? But without saying, what is your mission statement? They ask, well, what do you do? What are you trying to get your people motivated to do? What do you want your people to be about? And I shared with her what hopefully I have shared with you guys I know I have, but hopefully we get that uh, we want people at Crossroads. We're about sharing the love of Christ. It's about telling people, yeah, there's a God who loves you. There's a God who died for you. There's a God who wants you to be a part of his family, but also showing the love of Christ. Because if we're telling people God loves you, but then in the next breath we're cursing them out or yelling at them or screaming at them or whatever. And I just had a pastor, you know, there was a conversation that was going on about uh, diversity in the church and i shared a biblical perspective and he was like i disagree with you and i was like that's okay but then he was like i don't want to talk to you anymore because you're not agreeing with me and i'm like aren't we both supposed to be christians i mean okay we disagree but and he was like no don't use my name don't tag me and then he like just it just blew out of proportion and i'm like this is what people see and if that's what we're showing as the love of christ I was like, no wonder people are leaving the church in droves because we're saying one thing, but we're doing another. So what I told her is I, I would hope that as we preach, as we teach, as we learn on, on Sundays, that we're going out and we're treating people the way that we're telling them that God loves them, that we're showing them that God loves them with our words and our actions. Granted, you're going to disagree with people, but hopefully you're not like curse them out or whatever because you disagree with them because these are the same people that hopefully we're inviting to be recipients of Christ's love. The people in our workplace, our homes, our schools, and all that kind of stuff. People outside of the walls that we're saying, hey, yeah, God loves you. Uh, I'm going to treat you the way God wants me to treat you with love and respect, whether we agree or not. Even if you're, as Jesus said, one of the people who is your neighbor, even if those neighbors hate you, don't like you, don't look like you, still, those are the people that we're supposed to love. But then those are also the people we're supposed to invite to be recipients of God's love, to take it to that next level. 
Now, uh, I said one of the ways that I hope that we're doing this is it's great when you teach it in here, but the idea is to get people out there, is to get people to not just sit in here and talk about it, but get involved in the community, outside of the walls of the Sunday celebration. Go do things with other people in the community so that you get the opportunity to meet people. Don't do it just so that when God gives me the chance, I can preach the gospel and beat them over the head with the Bible, but do it to be a part of the community. And then as God does give you the chance, then yeah, we want to tell them, yeah, we, this is what we believe. This is a part of who I am. And that's what many of you guys are involved in uh, with stuff in the community, uh, the crew, the food bank, Special Olympics, uh, donating food and clothes, which we're going to start donating coats again in January. And when we were taking them downtown, we weren't handing out our cards saying, hey, hope you guys can catch a bus and come up, check us out at Crossroads. We were just saying, hey, people have a need, so here you go. Uh, people get involved with the boroughs or the schools or whatever they feel like God is calling them to get involved with and do it in such a way that it honors God. And then when you do have an opportunity as you interact with people to share and show them the love of Christ, you do that. And then if God opens the door further for you to invite them to be a recipient of Christ's love, not just to show up at your church, but hey, you know what? God loves you too. You can experience the same love. Then, you know, as the Spirit leads, you do that as well. And that's why I told her, I, I, I didn't take that much time to tell her that, but that's what I told her. That's what we want. We want our people to share and show the love of Christ, invite people to be recipients of Christ's love. We want them to do it by being involved in the community, to get out, to, to, to do stuff. And in this series that we've been talking about, about being spiritually fed, if you do that, if you're using your gifts and your talents, whether it be on stage as the praise team, or out in the community, or you're helping out in the church, or you're, you're, you're going out, if you're using your gifts and talents to bless others, to minister to others, to serve others, then you're being spiritually fed. You did it. You're doing what God has called and equipped you to do. And let me share this story with you. There was a uh, uh, pastor, and not a true story before anyone, but I heard someone use this as an example. There was a pastor who got a call from a couple in his congregation. They had been there for like 20 years. Came there as a brand new married couple, just moved to the area. Uh, they got saved there. That's where they committed their lives to Christ. They got baptized. They had kids, raised them up in the church. Then after 20 years, they called the pastor, said, we need to talk. He had a meeting with them, and they said, hey, we need to leave. We're not getting spiritually fed here. And he was a little bit, you know, and broke, not just because they're leaving, but because they were people he knew. They were friends. They were church family. And he said, well, where, where, where are you guys going to go? Did you find another church? I don't understand. What am I? What can we do more that's going to feed you more? And they said, well, we're not going to another church, but we're going to leave, and we're actually going to start a ministry because a few years ago they had adopted a child, and they said, we're going to start a ministry where we help train and equip Christian parents who adopt children who are of different faiths or from different countries and with different backgrounds, how to, in a non-forcing but loving way, share the gospel with those children and bring them up in a God-honoring way. And the pastor got excited. He was like, great, I am so happy for you. Pray this all works out. Let me know if you need anything. Have a good day. And they left, and they were a little like, was he rude? I mean, I know we're leaving, but 
Didn't, didn't he seem excited to kick us out? And so when the couple got home, they called him back, put him on speakerphone. They said, Pastor, we understand that we're leaving. And you don't have to love us, but we feel like you were rude because you were excited to see us go. And he said, no, 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 no. Maybe I didn't make it clear. I'm not excited to see you go. I'm excited to see you grow. Because years ago, you may not remember this, me telling you when you started adopting children and after you've had your own, that, hey, you guys are great at kind of bringing children from different areas and cultures and backgrounds and, and being able to share the gospel with them in a non-challenging way. And you remember, I tried to get you guys involved in a youth group and you said we don't have time. I tried to get you guys involved in, in kind of like helping us train people on evangelism, how to share the gospel, and you guys didn't have time. And he said, so I don't think you're not being fed. I think that you were overfed. And once you had your fill, instead of going out and helping to train up and use your gifts to equip others, you guys just continued to come every Sunday and just sit at the table. And you didn't like the food because it was stuff you heard, it was stuff you knew, it was stuff you were used to. And so you were getting overfed. But if you had been going out and using your gifts and your talents to raise up others, to bless others, whatever gifts God gave you, you would have come back each week energized and I need to get fed some more. I need some more food so I can go out and, and, and do what God has called me to do. And he says, hey, I am here for you 150%. I pray that you guys choose not to leave. But I'm going to be your biggest cheerleader if you do and you start this ministry. And I want to help you in any way I can. So they ended the call. And he didn't see him for a couple of months. And he just assumed they left. And it was about three months later that the couple showed up. And they had two friends with them. And they said, hey, as they were introducing the couple, they said, hey, this is our pastor. And he said, Pastor, these are the first group of people that we're going to start training because we thought they would be a great addition to our ministry and also to our church family. And they took what he said to heart, and they went out and did what God called them to do, but they kept coming there, and they realized, hey, for us to keep doing what God is calling us to do, it's challenging. We need to continually be fed. Because when they were going out to do what God had called them to do, they were getting drained. It takes a lot of energy and time and resources. And then they would come back and they would get fed over and over and over. And this is, this is what we've been talking about in this series about Feed My Sheep. And we started with this verse. I'm going to walk through the other two. And again, this is the complete Jewish Bible version because this is the way the Jewish mindset would have received it. Uh, and this is after breakfast. It says, and this is the third time that Jesus has appeared to him after his resurrection. And it said, after breakfast, and they had fish for breakfast. How many had turkey for breakfast at least once over the last weekend? Nobody? I had it like two times. All right. After breakfast, Yeshua, that's Jesus, said to Shimon Kepha, that's Simon Peter, Shimon bar Yachonin, that's Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? These fish, this businesses, all these other apostles. 
And he, meaning Peter, replied, yes, Lord, you know I'm your friend. And in the King James Version, it says, you know, do you love me, love me, love me, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. But in the complete Jewish Bible version, they translate it differently because they use different words. When Jesus said, do you love me more than these, he used the word agape. Do you have this unconditional love for me? And Peter replied, yes, Lord, you know I love you. But he used the word phileo, meaning I have that friendship-like brotherly love for you. And then he, meaning Jesus, said to him, feed my lambs. And lambs meaning younger, newish converts. And from this point on, pretty much anyone who came to believe in Christ was going to be a new convert. And he said, you need to feed them, feed and nourish them and provide for them. And then in verse 16, it says a second time, he said to him, Simon bar Yaconin, Simon son of John, do you love me? Do you have unconditional agape love for me? And he replied, yes, Lord, you know I'm your friend. I have that phileo friendship type brotherly love for you. And he said to him, instead of feed my sheep, he said, shepherd my sheep. Instead of rather feed my lambs, shepherd my sheep. Because now... They're fed, right? They've, they've been getting food. They've been growing spiritually. Like Peter says, you should drink spiritual milk and grow. Then the author of Hebrews says there comes a point where you got to get off the milk and get solid food. And he says now they're grown. You have to shepherd them. That word shepherd means to protect and to tend and to take care of no longer just lambs and new converts, but they're sheep. They're, they're, they're people who kind of know and understand. And then the third time he said to him, Simon bar are you my friend? At this time, Jesus says, hey, you don't have that unconditional love for me, but if you have that brotherly love that you keep saying you have, and he says, um, and Simon was hurt that he questioned him a third time. He said, are you my friend? So he replied, Lord, you know everything. You know I'm your friend. I have that phileo love for you. He said, now you need to keep feeding. Feed the lambs, tend the sheep, but now once they're grown in their sheep, you need to keep feeding them. Because the idea is, now that they're grown and they have knowledge and they've experienced what it is to be in a relationship with God, that they're not just going to sit at the table and go into a food coma. But he says, I want you to feed my lambs. I want you to provide for them and nourish all the new converts, all the people that are coming into this relationship with God. You've got to kind of educate them. You've got to talk to them, make them understand what it is. But then after you feed them, you have to protect them, right? And that's what the pastor is because all throughout the Bible, almost every New Testament writer talks about false teachers coming in that, that twist uh, uh, what the scriptures say or, or talk about the fact that, you know, as we've been talking about during the live streams, that, that, that nope, hell's not a real place. Doesn't matter what you do. God's going to love you. Uh, taking away the fact that there are consequences. And every single one of us who has a spouse realize that if our spouse didn't love us and rejected us for someone else, there would be consequences. Whether that's us saying, okay, we're going to no longer be with you or them saying that they're going to leave. Uh, but all of these things relate to the fact that he's talking about you've got to protect them. And the best way to protect them is to educate them and make sure that they know what my word says. And he says, once you protect them, then you're going to have to keep feeding them. Keep giving them knowledge. Because if, as we all know, right, you, you grow and you learn and you go out and start using your gifts and talents uh, and doing things, uh, sharing the gospel, whether it be serving here in the praise team or serving somewhere else, it takes a toll. And you'll need to be spiritually recharged again. Uh, and the thing that 
God doesn't want is spiritual food coma's where people just sit in the pews for decades or years and do absolutely nothing once they're fed. It's okay after regular food to go into a food coma because I do that almost every night, especially when it's hot. But when you're getting fed, fed spiritually, the idea is that you go out, you don't just say, okay, I'm just going to sit and do nothing, that you take that knowledge or those spiritual gifts that God has given you, and you go use them to help others, to bless others, to meet the needs of others, right? And uh, that's the role that the church is supposed to do. We're supposed to feed you, but we're also supposed to kind of explain and help train and equip people to say, yeah, here's where you can go out and use your gift. And Paul, when he's writing to the church in Ephesus, uh, in Ephesians, uh, he talks to them about it, and he says, and this is the Amplified Version, and his, meaning Jesus, gifts were varied. He himself appointed and gave men to us, some to be apostles, uh, special messengers, some prophets, some evangelists, some teachers, and, and all of these people he gave to us. Now, when it says apostles, in a big sense, yes, 12 apostles, who gave us pretty much the word of God. Here's God's revelation to humanity, along with the Old Testament uh, saints. And, and, and when he says some as prophets, there are, and there's a lot of people who say that, no, prophets don't exist today, but a prophet is not just someone who tells you the future, it's someone who reveals God previously, God's previously unrevealed word to you. So from a prophetic standpoint, if someone shows up and says, hey, Larry, this is what God is saying, and it lines up with scripture, and you're like, I never read that in scripture. I didn't know that. Then that is prophetic. We often think, Someone saying, hey, Larry, God shows up and says, this is what's going to happen to you next Tuesday at 10 p.m. Can that happen? Yeah, because it's God. But more often than not, that prophetic or prophecy is usually something that is unrevealed to you that lines up with Scripture. And then he gives some to be inspired preachers, uh, evangelists. And if you think of, when I think of evangelists, everyone thinks of Billy Graham, right? Right. I also think of people like Stephen. How many remember Stephen, wheelchair Stephen? Yeah, because if you show up to his house, one thing you're definitely going to get is bad puns. He's not here. Bad puns. Bad, bad, bad puns. But you're also going to get some type of evangelical message. Every plumber, the guy that fixed his fireplace twice, uh, the people who did his landscaping, the people who did his kitchen, Every single one of them, you know, he talked to them about their life. He talked to them about that. And he's like, now let me tell you a little bit about my life. And he would share the gospel with them. Every single one. The person who came to help him clean, uh, I think there was a, a, not a pharmaceutical rep, but a, a first aid nurse type person who came for some reason. Every single person. And he would share, oh, this is how I shared the gospel with them. This is how I talked to them about. And sometimes I was there and I'd listen and he'd talk to them. Bad puns, bad puns, bad puns. But you know, Jesus once said, and it just slipped right in. Because that was that gift that God gave him. But it also says some are pastors, shepherds of the flock. Whose goal it is to feed, protect, nurture, and equip the flock. And Paul says that all of these roles were given because his, meaning Jesus' intention, was the perfecting and the full equipping of the saints this consecrated people, anyone who calls himself a Christian, that they should do the work of ministering toward building up Christ's body. 
He gave all of these roles and all of these spiritual gifts so that all of these people could use those gifts in the church, in the body of Christ. Doesn't mean on Sunday morning, but in the body of Christ to build up the body of Christ so that the body of Christ can go out and share the gospel and so that the body of Christ would be built up to use their gifts and talents. And the good thing is I love the way the Bible is because here's how long he says we're supposed to keep doing it. He says, we keep doing it that it might develop until we all attain oneness in the faith and in the comprehension of the full and accurate knowledge of the Son of God. How long is the church supposed to keep feeding people and pouring into them and educating them and equipping them to go out and use their gifts? Until the entire church, the body of Christ, we all have this one same knowledge of who God is. And we're all attain this oneness in the faith, which my human opinion is never going to happen until Christ comes back. Even if I'm wrong, it hasn't happened yet. So the church is supposed to keep doing it. Until we all have this shared knowledge of who God is, of his love for us of the fact that he died for us, put his spirit in us, and then sends us out into the world to share his love with other people. So um, someone else was asking me, so what kind of events do we do? And if you notice, we don't do a lot of, hey, let's build this ministry that people come into the church. It may be a flaw, but it's just my philosophy from a biblical standpoint. Instead, what we do is we tell you guys to go out and get involved in ministries. And there are three types that we'll push you guys to get involved in. Ones that meet a need in the community. That's why I'm like, yeah, go help out at the food bank. Go help out at the crew. Go help out at, at, at delivering coats and blankets, um, uh, which we're going to start again in January. And again, we don't do that and take any credit for it. When we collect the coats and blankets from you guys, we actually hand it off to another church that already has the distribution and gives them out. We're not doing it to take credit. We're just doing it to meet a need. And we encourage everybody, hey, if you've got clothes and coats and whatever, then be a part. But then we also do the ones that bring the community together. When we used to do best in the burger, we didn't hand out our business cards. It was just an opportunity to bring the community together and to love on people and food, food and fellowship throughout the Bible. Uh, when we did Beast Feast, we didn't hand out a business card. It's just an opportunity to bring people together, bring the community together, sit down, share a meal, get to know one another, spend time with one another, love on one another. We didn't preach a sermon. Only thing we did was pray for the food, and then conversations just happened between people. We were like, yeah, it was a good event. People came, they sat down, they shared with one another, they ate food with one another. But then, of course, because we're a church, we do the events that allow us to share the gospel with people. When we do the praise in the park, when we do the, uh, the um, praise and worship event, the pre-election praise and prayer, which didn't happen this year, uh, when we do the, uh, any of the praise events, when we try to uh, get people together for uh, the Christmas carol event, all of these events are events where it's specifically God-driven. We're going to share the gospel. We're going to pray. When we do the Good Friday community events. When we did the Thanksgiving community event, it wasn't um, an event that just bring the community together. It was to give thanks specifically to God for his goodness to us. And hopefully you guys enjoyed it. But then also, there are things that we can't do and places that we can't go. So we support missionaries that go there. And I don't know how many of you 
uh, know Karen Zando. She's been here a couple of times. It's been a couple of years. And it's hard because when new people come in and we tell them about these missionaries, they're like, I've never seen or talked to this person. You want me to help support them? It doesn't matter if you can't do it financially. If you're praying for them, that would be great because as you're about to see, some of them are in places where it's not safe for them, but they choose to go. Uh, but Karen, uh, she works for the Campus Crusade for Christ, uh, and she literally travels around the world equipping people on how to read the gospel, how to share uh, the gospel, uh, how to interact with other people so you can share the gospel. Uh, the last, I don't want to say big because that's not fair, but the last major thing that she did was at the Olympics. They sent her there, and all she did was hang out with all of the Olympic people. She didn't have, like, a time to do a presentation, hang out with them and share the gospel with them. And then other ones who were like, yeah, I'm already a Christian. Hey, how can we go spend time with, hang out with, and share the gospel with other people? Uh, and her latest, which she calls Karen's Community K, has a little accent over it, uh, is up here. I'll put it on the back table for you guys to read. And even if you don't support them financially, just pray for them. And big, big, big thing, write to them. Email them. Let them know, hey, I can't pray for, I can't you financially. I do pray for you, but I just wanted to know I'm grateful that you're going out to the places that I can't and sharing God's word because that is huge for them. Uh, in addition to Karen, uh, we also support uh, Jessica, and I got to make sure not to put her face and picture up there. So I'm going to switch to the next one, but then I'll go back and talk about her. Uh, we also support Jessica, and she's in India, but she's in one of those places where it's not safe and she's not supposed to be sharing the gospel. Um, and I think, I don't know, I think next year she'll be back. Every two or three years she comes back to the States. And when she does, we try to have her here. Sometimes we can't, sometimes we do. Uh, but we also support her financially. And the last picture up there is the Oliveros family that are in Chile. And they and a bunch of other missionaries live on a compound that they built with the sole purpose. I mean, the place is like a resort. When I say they built it, they built it by hand. Like some of your parents built your houses, they built it by hand. Places like a resort. It's got two swimming pools, two tennis courts, lots of cabins everywhere, big, giant cabin-type meeting place where they bring people in and they put on musical performances and then share the gospel. They bring youth in during summer camps for like, I think, one or two-week-long summer camps where they play basketball, tennis, and do all these sports. And in between, they stop and they share the gospel with them. And then of those kids who say, this is awesome, how can I know more? They bring them in and train them to do what they just did, go out and share the gospel. And on average, three to 400 kids per year that they see come to Christ out of the thousands that they share the gospel with. And then out of that, maybe, and I forget the last time I talked to them, maybe the last group they had, maybe 50 or might have been 100, I can't remember exactly, that they took and they trained up and said, hey, we're going to train you to do this too. Because those people said, I want to do. I got fed, but now I want to go and help equip and feed other people to do the same thing. Now, it would not be fair of me to share this without sharing the fact that there are also some people that we used to support, but because of limited finances, we had to stop. We couldn't continue to support them anymore. But I am going to ask, not now, but at our next annual business meeting that we prayerfully consider re-supporting some of these guys. Maybe not at the level that we were at, but at some level. Uh, we used to support, we're a part of Converge Worldwide, 
our regional affiliation is Converge Mid-Atlantic. And what they do with the money we give to them is they go and they pay to raise up church planters. See, like, we hope that you guys go out and share the gospel in this community, but in the communities where there are no churches or no God-honoring ones or Bible-believing ones, then they'll raise up and train church planters and say, hey, uh, yeah, you in this community, yeah, how can we support you? And they'll send them there. But it costs money to do that, and that's what they would take our money and other, other congregations that give them money to do. So I'm going to pray that, and we'll talk more about this, 2019, but that we consider supporting them, maybe not as much as we were before, but at some level. Uh, we were also supporting Jane Powley. I don't know how many of you are familiar with her, but she was being supported before I even got here. And then we couldn't con uh, afford to continue to support her. And before anyone asks, just to make sure this is clear, before we pulled financial support from all of these people, um, I told the board and we made the decision, I, I, I just don't feel comfortable saying we can't pay you while I'm still getting paid. So that's one of the decisions that we made to, to stop my pay. Was if we're going to stop paying other people, then we can't just do it in order to pay me. That just doesn't seem right. But when we pulled her pay, I called her, not called her, she's an Africa. I sent her an email, said, hey, here's our financial situation. We want you to understand if we ever can, we want to continue. She said, even if you can't, I want to continue the relationship with you. And she just emailed me about a month ago and said, I know you guys aren't supporting me, but can I come and share what I'm doing in April? So at the end of April, she's going to be here sharing what she does. And if I remember correctly, she was, I don't know if it's changed, working at a library where she was teaching kids in Africa English using the Bible. So they were learning scripture and learning how to speak, learning how to communicate through God's word. So again, I'm going to ask, hopefully, and, and this will be uh, the board and, and treasurer and financial team as we kind of prayerfully, and hopefully with your prayer, look at, can we go back into supporting her? And uh, a new person, I'm going to ask, and I can't give her name, and I don't have her picture up, but she's a friend of mine from the church I was at in Virginia. And she just last year went to China to teach English as a second language. That's what she's being paid to do. What she is doing on the side and her real purpose in being there is to equip the underground church with Bibles and the knowledge of God. The only reason I can't put a picture or name up there is because um, right now they're killing people in China for doing that. You get locked up, you go to prison, and you're never heard of again. Uh, but And she had emailed me um, or messaged me on Facebook and said, hey, um, this was last year before she left to say, can I come to your church and share what I'm doing? I said, well, we've already did our budget thing. Um, how, I mean, we won't know until April. And I think, I don't remember what was going on at the time, but she only had like a three-week window because of visa and, and getting a visa and, and all that stuff before she was going to leave, and she's going to do this whirlwind circuit. And I said, I, I don't know that we could fit that in, but I will bring it up and we'll consider it. And um, the next time she's back, I'm not sure when it is, um, she has like a super secret communications group on how people are keeping tabs on her to make sure she doesn't disappear. Um, and one of the things I had asked her for it was give me some information that I can share with the congregation about what you're doing so we can pray about whether or not it's really up to you guys. I'm just bringing it to you because it's your tithes and offerings because we want to support 
what you guys are doing and your ongoing efforts. And this last one, so those, those ones I'm going to ask us to pray about and when we do our budget next year, ask us to pray about maybe considering that on the budget. Um, this next one I'm going to ask us to pray about doing, when I say today, I don't mean we're going to take up another offering, but asking us to consider doing today. Because uh, any time that we take up an expense that's going to be more than $200, according to our bylaws, we have to come back and put it to a vote. This is at $200. We don't necessarily have to put it to a vote. But I still want us to prayerfully do it as a congregation. Because how many people remember this guy? Everyone remembers Robert, right? I mean, he hasn't been gone that long. And he's, he is more vocal and visible on social media than I am. So I don't know how you can forget him. But... Uh, even though he lost his job months ago, he still goes downtown regularly every Sunday morning, hands out Bibles and clothes and whatever he's got to the homeless. Uh, there's an uh, organization called Mission for Mars that provides meals for people down there and there's all kind of stuff. And they have all different groups. He's not the only one that are down there. But he goes down and he prays with people and he passes out Bibles and he does all this stuff. And, what I, and he's constantly always asking, anyone have any Bibles? Anyone have any Bibles? Because he lost his job a couple of months ago. So he funds this out of his pocket. So what I'm asking us to do, to consider, is to uh, donate $200 to buy him 200 Bibles. Not ongoing, just a one time. If we ever do it again, don't know. But just, and I don't know how, how long 200 Bibles will last him. But I'm asking us to prayerfully consider this today. Because this is the epitome. I mean, I mean, other people are doing it too, of someone who says, yeah, you know what, I feel like God's calling me to do something. I'm going to go do it. No matter how weird it sounds and crazy it sounds or, or how much I got to struggle to make it happen all on my own. And don't worry, he doesn't watch the podcast because right now he should be. I think he was out of town. I don't know if they came back last night. It looked like they were traveling back last night. If not, they're still downtown and they're at church. I mean, they're here and he's downtown and that stuff. If not, they're on their way back or they're still away for the weekend. But what I would like to do is order 200 Bibles. I found a place where it's 99 cents per Bible, no shipping. I didn't look into how long it takes to get here. And what I need is your consent to do that. Does that sound like, and I know I'm putting everyone on the spot, uh, and from a financial standpoint, I think we have, I don't think $200 is going to hurt us right now. Thank you, Jesus. Because there was a time where $20 would have been like, dude, I cannot help you. Uh, but I don't think we're, we're, we're in a financially good place right now. And I feel like giving up $200 to help someone else do their ministry, especially one of us, isn't going to be a bad thing. So is everyone okay with that? No, we're not voting because if it were 201, we would have to take a vote. But in order to take a vote, I'd have to announce it for two weeks, blah, 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 blah. We're not going through all that. Yeah, I just want to feel like you guys are okay with doing that. Um, and again, $200 not going to hurt us. I say that now. Um, but God has put us in a financially good place. And I feel like uh, we can turn around and do unto others. Um, If someone feels led to donate to that, that's going to reduce that $200 down today, feel free. Um, 
I don't want to put that additional burden on you, especially going into the holidays. Uh, but if you feel led to do that, feel free. That's what it will go to. But also, I want to make sure that we're clear that we're, we're, we're not like well off or anything, but God has put us in a financially good place. Um, and I feel like it would not hurt us to turn around and use what he has blessed us with to bless others. All right, I'm, I'm, I'm going to close on that. I'm going to ask you guys to bow your heads uh, so we can pray. And as the band comes up, God, we just thank you so much for all your blessings. We pray that we are continually faithful and good stewards of all that you provide us with. We also pray that, as we said, that we don't experience or allow that spiritual food coma to occur in your house. That as we are fed, that we would turn around and use what you fed us with to turn around and bless the lives of others whether we're helping out in the praise team, whether the people that consistently and regularly help out here into setting up things or to cleaning up things, whether it's the people who regularly and consistently pray for us, that we would be faithful to your word, your calling, and good stewards of your resources. Or whether it be the people that go out in the communities and don't share a word about what they do, but they help others, they help their neighbors, they show up to share and show the love of Christ to people in their circles of influence. Or whether it be the people who go out and use the gifts and talents that you have blessed them to bless the lives of others. God, your word says that you are literally the way, the truth, and the life. And the only way that we're going to be able to share and show that with other people is if we go out and let our mouths and our hearts and our actions share and show your love. And we pray that we do that faithfully as you tell us to in your word. We pray this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. And everyone said, Amen. It's a new horizon. And I'm set on you. And you meet me here today with mercies that are new. Oh, all my fears and doubts, they can all come to because they can't stay long when I believe you are the way, the truth, the life. I is our belief that you are the way, the truth, and the life. And as your word says, if we truly believe that, then we'll go out and tell others about your amazing love. We'll show others that amazing love. And we'll invite others to experience that amazing love. And we pray that we as your people would do that every single day. We pray this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. And everyone said,